What's good, Internet? It's Friday, April 23rd, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 391. I am your host, Austin Walker. I am joined today, as always, Patrick's here, Kato's here. We're doing Mortal Kombat. Rob is here. Rob, are you part of Mortal Kombat? No, I don't have Mortal Kombat. Hi, Patrick. Kato picked up... Wow. Okay. <laughs> See, you know, this is jazz. Someone, I put, I put it out yeah. there. Yeah. Kind of picked up what I was putting Thank down. You. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. So everyone out, Rob is looking at me as the, like Rob. I've built a Plex server. Zachney is looking at me like I've lost it. Oh shit! You're, you're targeting a lot of our listeners by saying that <laughs> by building Plex servers is weird. I've built. I kept thinking with. Uh, can someone please uh, uh, modify the uh, div- the Blu-ray cover of like uh, was I built a zoo? We've built a zoo. Where's that fan? With that you know, put Rob on there. We bought a plex. We built a plex. We built a plex. Built a plex. So Nate, why are you Mortal Kombat today? That the new movie is out. I think it'll be out as of when this podcast comes out. Right? That's a week. I okay. think so. Sure. Uh, I didn't know you were so hyped for it. I'm not. That movie sucks. Great. Wait, why? I've been I've been living with cursed knowledge for weeks now. Oh. Uh, the 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 fi- you know the fine PR folks at Warner Brothers uh, weeks ago were like, "Do you want to you know interview some of the I, like seriously?" Sent me a, a bullet point list like, "Here is all of the characters in this movie. Like, let us know who you want to talk to." Um, and all I really wanted to talk to is the screenwriter because I find that the process of adapting seemed like the most mm-hmm. uh, crossover with our our audience. Um, and they still booked me with the director even though I wasn't. Uh, no offense to him, just like wasn't wasn't that curious to to talk to him. Um, but they were like very insistent that I watch the movie beforehand. I was like, okay, fine, I'll watch your new Mortal Kombat movie, and then like finished it. And was like, why did you no? Know? This was this the interviews would have been better if I didn't go in with the knowledge that I I don't think this movie is good at all. Um, yeah, at the all. A, it's the uh, look. There's a reason they keep uh putting out like watch the first seven minutes. Mm. This opening fight with Scorpion and Sub Zero, because it's like the best part of the movie. And then, like, <laughs> are you who's excited to watch ninety minutes of when a sequence finishes, someone go down a checklist of the iconic catchphrases of Mortal Kombat and put another one of those in there? <sighs> someone's I mean, someone, gonna say fatality. Someone's, someone's excited. I, I mean, I will I say was excited I, for that in the first movie twenty years ago or whatever. But that movie, so Mortal Kombat's mythology is both. Uh, part of the reason it works, I think, and why it's been it has endured, it is both very it is self serious. It takes itself extremely seriously. Yes. It considers mythology to be connected. It's something you should should care about. And yet, also, it's a series in which, like, when you do an uppercut properly, like a, uh, a one of the the programmers appears out of the corner and goes toasty. Like right, it, it's yeah, also mm-hmm. like very over the top and goofy, and has a sense of humor about its own self seriousness. Um, it's a you know a tone that I don't think they intended to draw, but it's one they just kind of stumbled into out of the weird creative mess that was making that game. I have an interview up on the site this week with uh, John Tobias, the co-creator, who doesn't work on the series anymore, but he was formative and he came up with Scorpion, Sub-Zero, you know, all the characters you know and love. 
he was a lot of the like artistic creative force, uh, while Ed Boon, who is now like the chief creative force of all of Mortal Kombat, was a programmer. Um, you know, did a lot of the nuts and bolts of building that game uh, alongside uh, John. And so I chatted with him about the legacy of the series and the weird mythology. Um, and that first movie, that, you know, I will argue it's a good movie because I think it captures the weird tone. Like it is appropriately goofy. Yeah, I love it is that appropriately self serious. Like you know. I'm sorry, but like whoever comes after Christopher Lambier playing Raiden is just like, it just sucks. Like he, like he is just such a fun, everything about that movie was fun and goofy and weird. And it's probably hard to watch now. I don't know where that movie lands unless you live in Nostalgiaville um, and can fill in the the gaps on it. Um, Mm -hmm. But this movie is way more like really serious and, doesn't have the same moments of levity. The fights just aren't that fun. The characters aren't that like I just didn't bleh. it doesn't even explain itself properly. It's just a it's just a big it's just a it's just a wet fart. It's just wow, this was a cool you know, you watch a cool trailer and then you realize, oh right, like they cobbled the cool trailer out of uh the movie and like that's that's like about all there there is. So yeah. uh yeah it's it's a it's it's a bummer. Sorry, I don't mean to I didn't mean to no, it, I, it's I, fine. I, I'm, it's... I'm I am as a uh, big immortal you know I was the kid biking down the street uh during Mortal Monday yeah. um when you know which is when they used to declare when the different Mortal Kombat console versions would come oh. out. And I just distinctly remember my friends and I imitating the commer- the commercial for Mortal Monday where the kids are on a bike screaming like uh mortal monday to get you prepped to go be a consumer and buy and buy that my friends did the paul that. revere's of of hell Illinois. yeah uh-huh. um and, and so you know I, yeah that, that game is as you know uh as close to my heart as any any series is uh growing up um and yeah i wanted this to be good and yeah i yeah goro's just a big cgi mess and bleh. should they just bleh. buckle down and made a cool martial arts movie with lots of blood this movie is plenty violent. Like the violence is not like the problem. Um, you know, it's tough because I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I I'm not a film critic. I don't know how to judge like like the a fight court. I just know that I didn't have like a good time. <laughs> I, like I got to the end. I watched it with a bunch of people. I was like, all right, let me get a. I'm like the the game nerd. Like maybe I'm gonna be like more hypercritical for some reason. And I will say the audience of like complete normies that I watched it with had like a really good time and said, oh, I I came out of it going like, well, that sucked. And then everyone else was like, what are you talking about? Like that movie was totally fine and enjoyable to watch. So huh. may, mm. maybe maybe you'll feel the same way. Patrick but those were also, is, is, I'm sitting yeah. here. I'm sitting here realizing though, like having watched The Raid 2 recently, I'm like, I'm not sure there's a lot of room for a Mortal Kombat movie <laughs> to go at this point <laughs> beyond what's happening. Martial arts spaces already. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. If this movie's gonna blow you away on the like, you know, the fight chore- choreography, but uh, yeah, even just the care. I don't know. They don't even explain. Like, Sub Zero shows up and he's shooting ice blasts out of his out of his hands, and they're like, "Why?" Like, I don't know. Like, it's just what he does. Like, here's the Jason Voorhees of the film, Sub Zero Stomper, which could have worked. I actually That's thought cool. that was That's a good I did, pitch. I did, See, you're, it's you're a good, me. It's a good pitch. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't need to know why Sub Zero Sub Zero does fucking ice blast. Don't of ninja worry, magic. they spend the rest of the movie explaining why people have powers, and oh. it fucking sucks. That's the, that's the thing I don't need explanation. I for. don't need that. I don't. Because Matt just has come You show magic. me guys with powers, I'll be like, yeah, that's yeah. Right. No, like as Shao Kahn and the other Fuck. people from Outrealm are 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 invading. Like our main man Cole, he needs to just get in enough fights so his Who? inner. Cole, he's not a character from Mortal Kombat. He's God the main, damn it. 
They invented a new character. You don't need to... uh, All the characters... There are so many characters. Pick one. Yeah, they went for the... uh, the, We need an audience audience surrogate surrogate route. Fuck that. Luke is the audience surrogate. Yes, I yeah. Liu Kang is relegated to the sidelines uh, in, in this one. Um, I mean, he's there, uh, but he is not. He's not there. Um, uh, and actually, like he plays second fiddle to Kung Lao, which like look, also this is all, all respect to Kung Lao. Love the the the, the throwing the hat, hat but yeah, uh-huh. but Liu Kang, Liu Kang is Mortal Kombat. I'm sorry, like that. He is, <laughs> he is, he is Mortal Kombat. And they're not doing any of the modern game characters, right? They're not doing any of like the MK11. Uh, no, but they are like freely of- like po- like Cabal is in it, so you know they're pulling okay. a character from Mortal Kombat three. Um, so they are like kind of pulling characters from. I think most of the first three Cabal games. is a weird pick from three. I guess that makes sense though. I guess that's sort of. I don't know that you like pulled a bunch of Mortal Kombat fans. Like, who do I need to see in my new no. Mortal Kombat? Like Cabal is are either cool, the ro- like, are any of the robots in? Yes. Why did you say that so so grimly? No, because there's a there's a couple of them. <laughs> right, right. There are a couple of them. I was yeah. trying to. I don't remember which which one. There is one robot. Um, and uh, what was the one I was trying to? There's another character in there. I was trying to. Oh, I was just. Oh, I was gonna say. I'd much rather see Baraka than I then. Uh, Baraka is not in it from MK2. No, no, no. Barack was Baraka in Annihilation. I can't remember. Baraka was in Annihilation. I yeah. believe Braca looks fucking cool. Like that's a character I want. Like, yeah, Chop yeah. Noob in there. Noob no. Cybot. No, no. There is, a, there is a there is a there uh, is a Ed Boon John Tobias shout out at some point okay. of like a the winner of a tournament was like I don't know Boon Tobias or, or something. <laughs> that just means <laughs> Tobot backwards. And I don't know. I can't remember what the actual. But like the the. There are just like multiple moments. This movie is so proud of its references. Like there are moments, like I've seen screen yeah. captures where there are like really subtle Easter eggs. Like there's like, uh, you know, like graffiti in the back of a fight that shows like, you know, down, down, right, forward, and like to how to do a move. And it's like, that's cool. That's fine. Like if you're going to do an Easter egg that you're not going to notice during the film that sure. someone is going to have to capture it in the background. Um, but then it's just, you know, like the, the, the film is so proud constantly. That's like, huh? Like, yeah, like the, the movie stops like on a dime when it has a reference to like dole out. And it's like, zoom, like right up to the character's face. Like, here it is, yeah. Mortal Kombat fans, what you've been waiting for. Uh, How is so. the stuff of just like, um, you know, like one of my favorite things about Mortal Kombat as a as a, the first movie, but also just in general, is the way that it's like playing in that space of like Enter the Dragon or blood sport or any of those like those those martial arts movies about like a big tournament it's not you know, there's no, no what no a game series about a tournament no tournament uh right? no tur- tournament occurs this is what uh, this is kind of was getting uh, at as i was like i just kind of want blood sport with mortal Kombat yeah. characters yeah like yeah, put, that's, put these yeah, characters that's in Kombat. an arena and use their cool and they, there is like a pseudo like the, the premise of the movie is that Earthrealm, you know and this is you know pulls from mortal Kombat mythology like has lost the tournament Nine out of ten times. If they lose again, then, like, Outer Realm is allowed to invade and Shao Kahn gets to take over. That is, like, given – they don't, like, even try to explain – it's just, like, seven sentences at the beginning of just, like, a huge mythology dump that just, like, does no table setting whatsoever. I remember reading it and being like, oh, shit, like, they're really – the whole context of this world is just like, 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 and it's like, good luck. Here's the rest of the movie. And what's the I guess. point of having an audience surrogate if they're also going to lord dump you? Do you know what I, I think mean? Because they, the, I, somehow, this movie is like afraid of its mythology without realizing that it exists in a world in which Mortal Kombat is now quaint. 
Like when Mortal, right. the Mortal Kombat movie first arrived, um, I think part of the reason it leaned into the humor, other than being that that's totally consistent with the franchise, is because like this is <clears throat> before superhero movies, comics had taken over pop culture, in which Mortal Kombat were like a bunch of like normal people like are going to cross over to another realm, gain superpowers in the process, right? Is that I forget? Do they have them before they go to? The tournament in the first movie, it's been too long since I've they seen it. They don't really have them after, even. I can't remember. They just Either have, way, like, yeah. they go, you go to a tournament, and there's, you know, a Goro, and, like, a, you know, a, a, a ruler. Like, there's a, a kind right. of a sell. You're like, Mortal Kombat is essentially a high-concept comic book in, in that regard. And so I think the goofiness was to try and sell the audience, and, like, you know, you have Christopher Lambert, like, showing up, going, waka waka, I'm Raiden, and, like, it works. Like, I really enjoy yeah. his character. But uh, now, 2021... Like, I mean, comic book movies are, there's the thing on every week. Like, they're getting weird. Like, uh, Shang-Chi is coming out. Like, we're digging mm-hmm. in to, like, the like B, C, D-level characters. And that's not a, a, a qualitative analysis. That's just, like, in terms of pop culture awareness. Like, you can just really start telling stories about characters with uh, different bases and much far out of their concepts. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, an extremely popular, uh, you know, film franchise with a talking raccoon in a, in a tree. So Mortal Kombat with, like, a guy who shoots you know, a frozen blast out of his fist. It's not like, sorry, Mortal Kombat. Like, it's not that big of a deal anymore. And so I th- I think that's part of where it missteps is not even having enough confidence in the world that it has and just, like, leaning into that and and more that it does feel like it needs to have an audience surrogate that kind of takes it along. And I don't, I don't think it needed to. This Cole character, who is, you know, it's mild spoiler, like, there are some connections. Of course, but, of course, of course. You know, yeah. it's, I, I will say, it's not secretly, like, a character you know. Like, it's, I thought yeah. that was one of the theories going in. of like, oh, maybe, oh, that's Liu Kang. Um, like, it's not, <laughs> it's not that. Um, but there is some connective tissue. Um, but it just didn't need that. And I think it would have been better served by just having... Even if it wasn't Liu Kang, like, you know, Sonya is a perfectly fine, like, surrogate character. Like, there are all these different ways they could have could have gone or or even started in, like, OutRealm and, like, done the perspective of OutRealm invading. I don't know. Like, there's different things they could have approached. And instead, you just, you know, the guy playing Cole, like, doesn't give much to work with. Like, it's not really, like, it's not his failure, like, his acting. Like, he does fine with the material he's given. It's more just, I don't buy into any of the stuff that his character, I don't care about the family he's trying to, like, it's just, none of it is just, it's just blah. Like, I just want, like, show me the big fight and, like, the cool powers and I'm good. Also, I just, this is just modern me, but, uh, like, seeing big CGI Goro sucks. Like, like, after, like, big goofy-ass puppet real-life Goro from the first one, I know that doesn't work anymore, maybe, but seeing it doesn't it I think it, I think it, I think it could, um, but <laughs> it, it just having like looking up clips of that and how now it holds up in the way that a lot of like practical effects, like yeah, it doesn't scare me or like intimidate me anymore. But I can I buy into that fight with Johnny Cage a lot more than I buy into the fight that Cole has with uh, you know Goro, you know three fourths through through the film. So mm-hmm. um, you know this is one of those instances where look, it's on HBO Max. You don't need to go to the theater. It is perfect, like, opening up a beer and watching this, you'll be just fine. I just, like, measure your expectations. I've seen a lot of people, like, really stoked for this movie. Like, I think if you just go in, which is, like, t- dial down a little bit what you're, you're thinking you're going to get, I, I think you may have a better time than than I did, which was, like, going in thinking, like, watching that trailer 
which is a really good trailer and being like, fuck yeah, give me two hours of this. And then got out and went like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got two hours of that. And that's it. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's totally, I, yeah, here's the other, here's my actual second question. Is that movie second out of a thousand we've already uh-huh. asked? Please. Uh, how campy is that movie? Because the other thing about the original Mortal Kombat movie is it was somehow both gruesome, but also very campy because it was playing yeah. in that in that. Which is space. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat yeah, is totally is campy. It is it is quintessentially a like a B movie in in that regard, and it it tries to have those moments, but I just don't think it strikes the. T- I don't think it walks the line there at at all. Like there there is goofiness, you know. Uh, they the one like probably the best thing the movie does is. Uh, picks up the the spin on Kano from the original, which I only realize I, I, this is probably long known trivia to other people who've like read up on the original Mortal Kombat movie. But like him being like like a goofy Australian in the original uh, uh, Mortal Kombat movie was not like written into the script. The actor they hired all of a sudden was just like, I think this would be like way better if I was Australian, and they just went with it and. They carry that forward into uh, to this movie. And so Kano is the highlight. Like he is genuinely funny and weird uh, and an asshole um, and has like some of the best uh, like, you know, uh, fatal. you know, I, they have fatality like equivalent moments in, in the movie and his bits are the best. Like if you know what, they just want to jettison all the other characters and they just made a Kano with the Mortal Kombat mythologies Kano. Like I'll go I'll go follow that guy. Like I'm good. <laughs> That's a that's that's an achievement given what an asshole Kano has been in the story up till now. So you know, yeah, yeah, you know, it is an asshole in on this one too. But you know, I I at least I don't know. I found his character like he made me laugh, and right. you know that wasn't wasn't happening as much throughout the the rest of rest of the movie. Um, well, so. thank you for bringing us this this blockbuster update. You're welcome. Um, I know none of us are going to go. I actually just I was googling information about this this movie, and it said it's it's in theaters in my neighborhood. Which is <laughs> weird to think. Yeah, about. it opened up in uh, uh, theaters internationally like, like two weeks ago. Yeah, I, um, I don't think this but, is the one. This isn't the one I'm going to risk. I'm not. I'm not going to risk it. And get that for, second jab. Yeah, and, and then any bad movie, I'm 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 ready. I'll watch all the worst movies. I've been trying to figure that out because I got my my as of Saturday. Uh, my th- wife will be two weeks into the second jab. I got my second jab on Monday, so I'm on I'm on the the, the glide on path. The track. I've been trying to. Yeah. I was so excited. I was like Black Widow. Let's go May seventh. I'm gonna be ready. <laughs> I delayed that to happens. July, whatever. So are they I'm gonna not do ready. a late release of Snyder Cut in theaters? <laughs> I'm gonna fly out. I'm, not I'm gonna fly out to. Yeah. I'm gonna fly out to Boston oh and go God. see Snyder Cut with Rob. <laughs> That'd be so good. It'd be Rob very and funny. I will, Rob and I will pay 150. dollars we will rent a theater to ourselves. We will get pissed drunk and we will watch Snyder Cut by ourselves. It will be a theater by ourselves so we could be loud. God, not breaking just like chapter breaks so we can just like re-up the beers. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom, Rob. I'll be back. Oh, man, that Aqua scene. Aquaman scene. I got to I gotta run to the John real quick. <laughs> well, don't worry. There's It'll be uh, 45 seconds of, oh. Will be playing. Yes, absolutely. That's part of the experience. I can't leave this the theater for that. (laughs) I need to be there for every ancient lamentation. Each one. (laughs) Speaking of ancient lamentations, uh near replicants (laughs) has hit. Every song in that in that game has a secret vocal track that will come in and surprise you <laughs> and will that soundtrack has been banned from my uh, my, my both what? my 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 4-year-old daughter and my wife have asked me separately turn that the fuck off <laughs> like what? please wow. 
Uh, it was like I I love the near soundtrack too. It's but great. If you, if you are not playing the game and for just two and a half hours you're just hearing loud mm-hmm. choral arrangements. Yeah, uh-huh, like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> so what is it? Is it like Thomas Tallis style? Or like Can we, Islam, we, we need to pull up a clip. We, it's it's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. The last uh, time I attempted to uh, sing a choral arrangement into the podcast, <laughs> I was rudely mocked um, for my attempt to do. Well, it doesn't really work at all because without the harmonies, like literally the. the, the yeah, we, and I don't. You know what? I'm podcast. You can hear in my voice. I've been podcasting a lot at this point, and it just I don't. Normally, have to, Austin can do his best. Uh, I would nail it. You know, I'm a great vocalist. <laughs> um, but I think like if you're like hanging around the village, right? You're just hearing. Song of the Ancients over and over again, right? Song of the Ancients is a is a good poll. Here we go. I'm linking it, Rob. Um, it's great. I'm just gonna leave this playing in the background as we talk about Nier <laughs> because it makes my heart swell. Anyway, I, 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 that's unfair to you, Patrick. No, yeah, it, it is. It's I unfair. get it. It's, it's unfair also to Nier. Their house. I, look, at, at, yeah, everyone. I, I put on the the PlayStation. Like it was. I, I get it. I was like, yeah, you're right. When I step back and think about this, this music is purposely repetitive. Like it is a lot of like very similar sounding. I, I get it. I was like, all right, fam, I understand. Like, I don't, I'm going to sit here and play my near. I will put these headphones on and you can continue on w- without your day. But uh, no, it's a great soundtrack and it's a, uh, it's a great, where, how far? Okay. So now we okay, can, I the game am, is out. The game is um, out. We, I am, uh, this is, this is for, again, for the record, this is near replicant square root of 1.5. AKA near replicant version point two two whatever. Four seven four four eight seven one three nine dot dot. AKA near numbers, right, Kato, yes. <laughs> Try to make near numbers catch. We'll see. Um and, how far and uh, how far are you? I am um I, I let's say uh, of, I do want to say um there's there are, like, to say certain, am, certain things but, about the plot that like will be hard not to talk. We're not gonna like spoil Yeah, near, I don't want to spoil like, we'll, 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 we'll treat it as a so game. But there because are certain like, things that I think we will like. If you want to go and totally like, just yeah, know, jump ahead. It's, it's a good game, and like, if you, I'm enjoying out, it. I you know, ha- the the non spoilery thing I'm going to say is that like it's so interesting coming to this after Automata, where Automata, where this is such a more traditional fantasy game setup. Yes. In in terms of R- its RPG ness of just like you're in a village and you're doing quests for people in the nearby you village. Go, and this person and some needs other some villages logs. nearby. Go right. get some logs. Exactly. A hundred percent. Right. How much um, iron ore you got. And I know that like the, in some ways it felt like Automata was like, I'm just going to say Automata. I, I yeah. Like sorry. It it's just going to happen. Yeah. I, I know I, I could be saying Automata. I refuse. Uh, in, in <laughs> this podcast. Here, here's the, here's, what's the difference between 20, whatever that game came out and today is fuck it. I'm going to say it the way it feels good to say <laughs> I'm, I've been beaten down <laughs> on the fucking ground. I'm going to say near Automata because it feels right. Okay. Um, that game Best immediately is like post-apocalyptic. <laughs> you're a weird military super agent being sent to the planet to fight aliens or whatever, you, you know, and, and the, the ways in which that unfolds is pretty quickly. Beat the shit out the, of these sad robots. Yeah. Beat the shit out of these sad robots. I do think the robot design in, in Automata is better than yes. the Oh, yeah. Like, no offense yeah. To oh, yeah. God tier uh, robots at Automata. Yeah, that's just, it is what it is. Um, uh, but the verses here where, like, you really settle into a very traditional pastoral fantasy like story. Well, you're, you're also part of a place, right? Yes. Whereas you are, such you are a an outsider thing. parachuting yes. Into a place, like quite literally, from a space from station, from a space like, station, in parachuting Automata, into, into yes. a place in that Whereas game. Whereas here, you're like, like 
a little you're bit part outside of the community. village, but you're part of it. You're doing like when you're doing side quests for people. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're doing like uh, Automata is a little more rote in that. Like, well, here's a random person I can talk to. Get a quest from them. Go do yes. the thing. Whereas this, like, I mean, it still is that, and the quests are uh, good writing, but like far less interesting things to do in in this game. But you are part of a community, and like often I would feel an obligation to to do the thing or to look up really to look up whether I should do the thing according to several flow charts that people have sent to me. Um, I'm doing it all. I've just, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, I can't understand. not. And, and I will, let's, we, well, people should jump ahead at this point so we can talk about side quests and talk about that yeah. stuff. If people but should it's good. jump ahead, people should, you should play this. this don't like play, don't play Automata yet. Play this, then play Automata old. and like play two. I don't, I'm not like ready to declare this a, a classic alongside everyone else. Cause I'm only 20 hours in, but right. it's very good. And uh, you, you should definitely play it. This is a good, this is a good, and it, from uh, what people like Dia are saying, authentic feeling update where like you don't you it's not sacrilege to the original work. Um, right. We should say like, Dia has a review up on the on the site. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a very good review. Beautifully updates a classic oddity, but can't replace it. So, you know, that's what well, and Dia pulls apart the complexities of what it means to be a remake. But I do think like the broader takeaway is like don't you don't have to like feel bad for playing this one. Um, like you'll be getting a lot of the core experience um, yeah. of that game. Um, so the the where I am is I am through the desert t- like area, yeah. the, 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 the big people. desert dungeon, the masked people. Um, I've done that dungeon, uh, which is like the first real, that's not the first real dungeon. That's not true. There's like the, there's other places before that I guess I would classify as dungeons. Um, but that's like the first like puzzle filled one. Uh, or all these rooms that have little little puzzles to do, basically. Oh, like, there are rules, yeah, there's, there, there's rules. rules where it's like, hey, you, you can't jump here. You can't right, right, uh, right. roll here. You and can't I like that here. stuff. I like that a lot. And I finished that storyline. So now I'm back and I'm like getting ready to go to what I th- the, the fourth big area of this of this kind the of forest of myth. Yeah, the forest of myth. Yes, mm-hmm. that's where I'm <laughs> at. And, and so actually, what I'm doing is cleaning up more side quests because I'm just doing them all. Um, I'm doing. I'm gonna do them all, Patrick. Well, and also, I, and I, I want to give this. Uh, I guess this warning, if you're still listening, um, because I, I gave this to Austin. Uh, this game. Well, Dia put it. Put it. I feel like Dia put it really well to me in, in a DM when we were chatting about the game. It was like this feel. Uh, Near feels like a PS2 game that a, that also that just happens to be on a PS3 and an Xbox 360. Um, and you know, this game you know does a lot of uh, quality of life improvements, but there are other things that it doesn't touch. Um, and and one of the things it doesn't touch is like <laughs> there's a moment um, where uh, uh, let's call it a big event occurred. Well, no, they've. There's a, there's a time jump. Yeah, there's a time jump. Point, so right? we know there's you go two, from I know there's two voice actors for the main character because right. there's, there's a, a young jump. version of your character and an, and, a, and an older version of your character. And, we don't and we're not talking specific. about there's not we're not we're not talking about there's the boy ver there's the brother version and the dad version. I'm saying literally the Correct. brother has two different ages. Yes. It's like a Link ages up to be adult Link. Right, or like right, right. Slightly young adult Link versus boy Link or something. And there, there's a moment where this this occurs. Uh, the game does not forewarn this. Um, and then if you go through the events of that, uh, a, a time skip occurs, and then you lose all of the the side quests from the beginning, except for a handful of um, the only ones that carry are if in order to unlock certain um, extra endings. Like one of them involves collecting every weapon, and like you can still do those those carry over um, sure. over the okay. time jump. Uh, that makes sense. Anyway, but I was just bummed because I wasn't going to do all of those side quests, but there were a handful that I I know had really good 
dialogue bits. Did and you do the, was, the lighthouse lady one? I did do the lighthouse lady. Okay, that's good. Um, that the ones I didn't do good. was a uh, devil and Popola where you're like trying to get them to sing at the bar. Oh, you didn't hear and them I, sing together. It's nice. No. Yeah. I, yeah I was, I was bummed. Nice. I did not um, get to hear that, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so now I've, I found a guide. I'll note if you just do a search for side quest guide near, you'll find one that's very complete. And it says what, what you know if you a google image search i'm saying you'll get like a, a big single image that's like hey this is this explains where the grinds are where there isn't it's absolutely written by a 4chan person which means that there's like a homophobic slur in there what the fuck? and uh and also yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, like very clearly a 2010 4chan yes v like it's right it's there it is this is it <laughs> this is this is what this part of gaming culture was like Though maybe, I don't know, this says it's from 2017, so maybe Whoa. those people are still corny as fuck, fuck. in 2017, probably. I don't know. But if you, if you actually, if you, if you go to my Twitter account, I asked uh, like a week ago, like, which uh, side quest should I do? And people replied, like, with those images uh, as well. Um, and, like, the short version is what people said is, well, some of the, like, the side quests have some decent writing, but ultimately you can kind of skip all of them. And it's more or less like how much more time do you want to spend in this world? Whereas like, it seems like that's counter to Automata where I think some of the best writing in the game is in the is side, side quest. Now, stuff. now that is, that is, it has a similar issue to this game in which it's buried under like rote, like quest design, which is like the actual quest part is not fun or engaging and is actually actively working against the player wanting to see it to the end. Um, but the writing in like, you know, like the, the you know, there's I remember like specifically like one of the ones in Automata where like the there's the robot that's at the top of like a tower and it's like contemplating like committing mm-hmm. suicide. Mm-hmm. Like that one was like one of the most affecting storylines like in the whole game. And but like nothing about the quest design around that was like you're just going up there and talking to this person. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and this game is even an even worse version of that or a more rote version of that. Like none of that is addressed here. That that's that is- even even that, even like I saw recently, someone was like, "This game has atrocious grind for certain items, um, especially if you want to like upgrade the weapons." And I saw like someone had done an interview um, with either Taro or I think Saito is one of the producers on, on this. Um, was like, "Hey, did you like maybe like like quality of life, like address the drop rates of items?" And they're like, "Absolutely not." Nope. <laughs> it's like that's the kind of thing you should have changed. No, in fuck the it. Update. No, if you're gonna want to, I had to do all those fishing quests. Those and and trying to get the fishing down out the gate requires you to bat your head against it and get those ten sardines. And that's a lot God, of sardines. Every time I would get a non-sardine, I would I was so scream. So fucking mad. So mad about that. I mean, the thing is, I didn't. Did you? Realize you needed to go get lugworms. I looked that it up. Is, so this yeah, this game, yes. I have like steadfast. Have the iPad next to me. The moment I get a quest, I look up the mechanics of the quest because I mean, I explained to you. I, I like when I got uh, Austin a code. And it's like, all right, I need to catch you up. Yeah, with you what were like, I've let learned. me prep you. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I need, I need to give you a couple of <laughs> of tool tips uh, that that I've learned the hard way. I'm like, you know, one of them was. Fuck gardening, but if you have to do it, realize that it's real time. And that if you're just running around the open field thinking like, why are why do these wheat seeds not seem to be growing? It's because you straight up need to come back the next day. And that I'm glad every- you told me that because like now I've enjoyed it where I'm like, okay, I'm about to start or I'm about to end a session. Let me go right. check in on the garden. Plant those seeds. Plant those seeds. Start <laughs> a new day. Oh hey, yeah, water them all. It takes forever. You're not doing. <laughs> there's, there's no the, water. Water all sixteen spots. It's no. like dunk, 
Well, and it's not even like you, you just have to watch the interact. animation every time. You oh. don't have to. You also have to use a menu on each individual <laughs> tile each time. So it in sucks. a world where lots of people have played Stardew Valley now, it's just going to be like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, but I love it because I love I love signing in and being like, hey, what what grew? What do I? And like it make you make bank with that stuff. That stuff sells for lots of money. Yes. And it's the only thing I, I know how to I'm confident selling because I mean, I've had to have wheat for some quests. But other than that, it mostly like I can sell these. I was going to say a pumpkin, but I also just needed a pumpkin for a quest. I did just hit a point where I had sold a melon, a pumpkin and a watermelon and immediately needed all three of those for a side <laughs> quest. But you know what I'm saying? Like th- Those yeah. are things that you could just replace by growing. You don't have to grind them out in combat somewhere. Or you just grind the, the progress of time. Exactly. Um, and you can't and, do the system clock well, manipulation anymore, which you used oh, to be able to do. Oh, they get rid of that? Well, I presume with a PS4, can you just like change the you hour? You probably take I, it offline and change the hour. I bet you could do it. I wonder because that was everything I, when I was reading, like how to speed up uh, gardening in uh, near uh, it was it was a lot of people like, yeah, bro, just like go to the system clock, change it two days, boot back into the game and like, boom, you've Get got a full week. garden full of yeah. shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know if you can do that in the new machine. The other the other thing, um, I mean, one of the weirdest things about playing this game is that it does not have the following Automata did, which means that things like, hey, can I sell this? Is kind of a hard question to ask. There is yeah. not like a table. I forget what I was playing recently. Um, I was playing something in the last in the last six months, let's say, some RPG, where I just straight up pulled up a list of um, how many of these do I need to hold on to, period, for crafting in this game. And I'll just keep it at that number. And anything less than that, I can sell and feel good about selling and not worry about needing to hold on to. Uh, and that just does not, I cannot find a thing like that for, for the original Nier because the audience just is not that big. I think that'll spring up. Unfortunately, it'll probably yes. happen by the time you and I have like finished the game. The I'm thing, throwing the thing, myself at it pretty heavily. I, I might just grind through it this weekend. We'll see. And well, but also the thing that I find, so like what you need money for in this game primarily is like, if you're going to collect all the weapons, the weapons are extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, and you get most of them from buying. It seems like you do get them. A from, lot of them. Like, you know, I have I've a, gotten you know, some from quests, but or from you get, I get, you quest get some from stuff, quests. You'll find some out in the world. Um, but it seems, you know, you'll get to a vendor that sells weapons. Like here's four weapons. I was like, Sixteen thousand dollars. Like I don't know if I've ever had sixteen thousand dollars on that this farming game. grind. You got to get on that farming I, grind. Yeah, I haven't messed with that at all. So that's probably when I'm. That's gonna like I'm gonna play thirty hours of this game and then spend five hours <laughs> like just going to sleep, waking up and uh, planting sixteen seeds. But um, the one thing I'll say is like the weapons don't matter in this game at yeah. all. Like it is purely at least I have found. Uh, not even functional, just aesthetic. It was like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna switch between a sword and uh, well, what do you have in the early game? You can you only have that light sword. I know there's a two-handed sword. sword. You can check the the controls early on, and it's like hit this to switch to your spear. Hit this to switch to your yeah. When you grow up, you get weapon. access to a spear and a two-handed weapon and the sword, and you can switch f- freely between those. Not quite like a devil may cry where you can be mid combo, but you know, you can kind of switch between them in the flow of combat, but it just doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. Like pick the weapon you like and just kind of stick with it. And then when you get one whose power is like higher equip, equip that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, this game is full of systems that are super interesting sounding, right? Like if I was to tell you, all right, Patrick. So when you get a weapon in this game, not only does it have a story attached to it, 
But if you want to power up certain attributes, like, you know, more experience per attack, um, like uh, more magic associated with it, you don't just like put a gem. You attach words. Words have meaning in this world. And that sounds really interesting. And so you realize, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, like it doesn't. Like, 2% damage. That, yeah. That is, like, like, I guess that adds up against, like, a. Uh, the bosses aren't like that. They're, the enemy, the fights aren't. The, I haven't fought very many things that are just like, this is just a big ball of HP. And so I just, that extra 2% adds up over time. It's, it's only against the, the giant shade. The shades yeah. are the main enemy. The shade like that's the in between uh, the village and. The northern and plains. The nor- yes. Well, the, Oh, oh no, no, the northern part. Yeah, yeah. No, I know which one you're talking about. The village about. and yeah. seafront, right? Yes, 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 um, yes. Um, yeah. Blood is sound and sound is words and words are power, Patrick. I wrote this down as soon as that fucking book <laughs> said it. I was like, that seems important. I'm going to write that hey, down. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. Instead of complaining about how the weapons and all yeah. the special powers that you get um, also don't matter, just equip the fist and the and, oh, and, the, and the, the fist. Yeah, I like the fist is really good because it knocks them on the ground. So mm. it, it, it disables them and the lance. And the you know the reg- the the the, the pea shooter you know the one that just shoots the regular yeah. bullet hell mm-hmm. shots like everything else is I don't know do you want to use another one did you know you can also equip words to those yeah I've equipped Why? words to everything Why? <laughs> equipped- and also give me an option that just equips it to there is just if you go to no, the far you have right to do it you have to do it individually oh, per right. attack individually and yes, then if you get correct. a new one you have to if like you have to go back yeah. through so then I you just, just want don't- auto words you just yeah. want the same way there's an auto fight. Which is like a great feature that there is in this game. Of there's like automatic combat, just like there was an automata. Wait, what? You don't know this? <laughs> I can just have bike. I don't have to fight in this game. Yeah, you can just run around and make the computer yeah, fight. Actually, for you. really? Prefers playing it that way. What? Yeah, because apparently, apparently it's really like good. The automatic combat, like I think she's going to write about this. Actually, the automatic combat. It's not just that it's on autopilot, but like it becomes really stylish. And uh, you see Nier turn into much more of a anime dervish type character. <laughs> just like you just sort of position them to see what kind of like sick fight scene you want to see unfold. And then all hell breaks loose and it's cool. Wait, what? That sounds great. When do they I'm, explain yeah. that you can do that? Is that tutorialized? It's, uh, I don't think so. Just in the options. I always, I'm still the person who goes into the options and looks at everything first as soon as I get a game. Oh. And so it's just in there as auto battle. And there's like, I want to say there's a bunch of sub options. There's also... Lots of like, um, uh, yeah, there's just a lot in there in terms of, of setting up huh. like how you're how you're doing your fighting. Okay. Anyway, um, fuck all that. Like, like the, the, char- the characters. Is, the, the characters. Is the characters in this game are incre- incredible. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like uh, you know, like Grimoire Vice. Uh, like the voice act. The voice acting in this game is is really good. Grimoire is. A, f- a fucking such a. How do we not name our website? website See, name. fuck. I know. That's what I'm saying. How do we not name our website Grimoire? And now Ooh. that would have been that would be a different world. I guess because we're all fucking fake near fans who didn't That's play true. the original. And yep. if we had, we would have known to name the site Grimoire by Vice, and everyone would have. <laughs> Grimoire.vice.com. Yeah. Grimoire.vice.com. Different that's, spelling that's because it's someone, white. It's W E I S S. But still, got it. we we used to collect domains. Like, uh, <laughs> let's kick it back up. Let's pick it let's back go. up. Let's get there. Um, yeah, Gr- Grimoire Vice is great. Uh, Kaine is incredible. Um, the like the Kaine the, is so good. I I have uh, not seen. She's so good. I I I knew she had uh, a following. Um, but mostly that was like if I you make the mistake. Well, mistake is I, maybe the wrong term. If you just Google image search Kaine. You will get a lot of uh, sexually well, no, provocative. If you do a search images. for Kaine, you get uh, uh, 
uh, American lawyer and politician Tim Kaine. Kaine near. Oh no, you're right. If you go image search, you're right. The second yeah, you image search, image search yeah, yeah, you're yeah. good. No, yeah, yeah. she yeah, she it's dominates. It's a mix of the two. Which you is get a, very a little bit of Tim Kaine, and then you get a woman uh, in lingerie who. <laughs> Whips ass and also drops shows ass. Also shows sh- ass. Whips ass, shows ass, um, um, and then just swears like a sailor. And it w- is worse than a sailor. Sailors learn from Kaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's real. It's, it's real. Uh, uh, two thousand seven angry video game nerd. This <clears throat> this woman is inventing new 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 uh, slang, new 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 ways to insult people. Well, uh, it's, it's great. Uh, what, I love her. What was the one that I? Oh, I tweeted one recently uh, ahead of the embargo. I was like, I'm breaking embargo. I'm gonna tweet a swear from this game. I'll look Shit it up hog? while I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, shit hog. I, <laughs> oh, it's just, and I, I don't mean to like overreact to the fact that like this character swears, but like she just has a, such a strong personality, makes yeah. such a strong impression out of the gate. And and it's specifically the, the dynamics of these characters and how they play off one another that is, you know, I don't want to speak for like diehard near fans, but like seems to be the enduring legacy of this game is, is this, um, this this coupling this 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 group of characters and mm-hmm. how well they like hearing uh you know i don't know that in 2021 constantly hearing grimoire vice like call uh her a hussy necessarily like plays <laughs> as well uh, no anymore. it does because he's a piece of shit and yeah, i guess <laughs> i guess I, and like i don't i don't you know she is not a like the eighth is, time though i don't yeah, know that okay. I need i've not to hear heard it that many times <laughs> yeah um but um yeah, it's just a really, it's just, a, you just want to spend more time with the characters, which is which is what's going to lead you, Austin, down the path of, of course. doing, like, a fishing side quest, um, because yeah. all you want is just, like, a two little more, more minutes of back and forth between these, right, like, these characters. The best thing about the fishing side quest is each time you go to fish for one of the side quests, or, like, you get to the fishing spot, there's a running gag about Grimoire Vice, like, learning how to shut the fuck up so he doesn't scare the fish away. And each of those, <laughs> those like, dialogue drops is very good. And, like, yeah. now that I have kind of, like, in my party, so to speak, it's like, okay, I almost wish I had waited to do some quests to see if there would have been a kind audio oh, drop sure. also in there. But, like, that stuff is, has been really fun. It's just fun to have a third person there to be, like, or that this, like, weird collection of weirdos uh, you know traveling the countryside fighting monsters and if they like all really care good. about each other like the you know as you learn more about like the you know you yeah i guess you haven't gotten to some of the emil um i've uh, not stuff. met emil yet um, i know emil's coming up i'm guessing yeah, emil just has section. like just the, the the just a really sad uh story and you know i now like, look, if you want to understand the the mask, like, the, Yoko Taro's, like, the, the mask that he wears, like, why this became, like, an icon, like, that you see everywhere, like, play this game. And, like, you will you will learn learn about Emil and, like, fall in love with Emil and feel sad for Emil. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's one of those games where, like, every time I talk about it, then I, like, I'm, I'm like, telling my, I'm, like, learning how much more I like it as I discuss, okay. like, the things I like. About it, I just really like the world, but it is one of the things where, you know, playing it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, and this is a, like a decent update. It 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 makes it more approachable than it yeah. would have been if I they am, just put I out am, an update. But um, this early on, at least, I do feel like I missed some of the automata combat stuff. Um, uh, the it's just been so easy out the gate in terms of like, there are parts of automata that 
put me on my ass immediately. You go none fight of the, that. None of that, that changes. You're not. You're not master. gonna. Yeah, and that's know, fine. It, but like, and maybe it's just because I'm like not a full time character action person that Automata was able to do that to me. But I think about like the defending the parade stuff at the beginning of, yeah, yeah. The beginning of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was, they, it really pushed me to be good. Even some of the stuff in the later half of the game, um, I was like always trying to keep up and trying to learn how to maximize my combos. And like, I'm just like not doing any of that here. I think the magic stuff is really fun. I think having all the different blasts and like, I've been, I've been like tinkering and playing with stuff. I think that I really like the one that lets you like soak in the incoming red energy and shoot it mm-hmm. back as a laser. That's really fun. The one where you, um, <coughs> you get, you get a, uh, an area of effect that um, the oh, area yeah, yeah, enemy yeah. that's in the area, then like a clone of you goes around and slashes them. Isn't that stuff he? is cool. I just wish, the game had a gave you justification for ha- like it's always oh what's I just like would to do something different for the sake of doing something different as opposed to traditionally in character action games like the reason you have an expansive roster of weapons and special attacks is there will be sequences in which it makes sense to use them and too infrequently there's never any reason to switch between like once you settle into well this is fine you know I I, I now better understand why Dia just like sets up the anime combat and like lets it rip. Um, Because if you're not, if you're not willing to personally put in the investment to make it flourish because you want it, you want it to aesthetically flourish. The game is not going to ask very much of you just to get the health bars down. And even the occasions where you're fighting like a really tall shade that you can't do much damage on the, the the game really seems to just be telling you you should come back in like six hours when you can yeah. meaningfully attack this thing um and then you can you know take it out and get whatever uh, elite drop that it that it gives you I, I before we move on we should take a break um uh, I just I do want to say like the the high point of this for me is both the characters but also just the sense of space and like the feeling of lingering here it, it's such a strange game in so many ways because it feels like a 2010 open world RPG by a, mm-hmm. a team that maybe had not gotten like there's no interesting systems work happening here no. in terms of open worldness. There aren't people going about their days in any sort of like systemic way. It's it's very much. But there is a, a side quest people. where you fight a boar. And after you fight that boar, then just occasionally when you go out into a one area and only one area, a boar will be laying on the That's ground true. and you can ride it. Is it there's only one, in the Northern Plains? No, there's one from there's there's also one between Seafront and. Uh, OK, uh, but the funny thing about that boar is you have to go through lots of little canyons. And if you're not the careful, you just <laughs> slam into the wall and, not, and knock the boar out. But you can if you're drifting on the on the boar using L2, <laughs> you won't crash. You'll just slide up against the uh, walls. And so you're like pinballing through this little canyon. Uh, I think those are the only two. I really wish there was one in the desert. That desert's big. And I wish there was a boar for me to ride across it all. Yep. Um, I love the masked people. That, that stuff is good. So anyway, the character stuff is good. But like there is just a – I love – I do just love being in this world. Like even doing the repetitive fishing stuff, even doing the like I'm going to go grind 10 goat hides for this quest – is like okay, I just like being in the zone for a little bit, and maybe I, like in those moments it becomes a really good podcast game, also, where it's like oh, there's just like nice music playing. I'm just grinding for a little bit, and I'm. It's so rare that a game is like I'm taken enough with a game and its world that I want to grind, um, or that I'm happy to grind through a side quest or something like that. That is just a repetitive get ten things. I just wish it wasn't all of them. 
I it's also all, it's all, it's I, all yes, of them. Like yeah, totally. <laughs> like every single side quest, or their fetch quests, or their yes. their run to these you know, run to these four people and just say the one most thing. interesting the most interesting uh, quest design that they have is there's a series of uh, deliveries where you can't oh. um, roll. You can jump, fragile. You, but can you, jump, can't, you yeah. can't get hit on your ass either, and you can't get hit. Um, you can't get hit. Of, period. In fact, it's yes, not even of, on your ass. And if you get too close to like just an innocuous goat, they'll get aggressive and hit you, and like that's broken. And like I at least that gets me to now. It, yeah. You navigate the space differently, right? Like you're Which thinking also about the thing what's with that in front one dungeon of you. where that's like, hey, in this one room you can't jump or you can't right. roll. Right. More of those, more of those restrictions. Those restrictions are always really good in terms of like. Adding this, adding that tension and, and making when it's you almost the play game a little differently. It, it, I feel like it's the game recognizing its own limitations and yeah. uh, like the borders of its like design scope and like working in that accordingly. Um, because you know, in the dungeon where you they have the rule sets, well, those you know they also have plenty of areas where you just like push boxes for for no reason. Yeah. It's like none of that stuff like works after the the seventh time. And um, but yeah, the world and characters are so compelling that I don't I don't think people will have a you know you'll have motivation to get through that stuff. Yeah. Um, and really, it's just, if you look at the arc of this to Automata and whatever, you know, Taro's working on next, like, the leaps and bounds, like, he's, like, made as a designer and a storyteller and a world builder, just, like, it just makes me really excited to see what, what happens I'm very curious. after, yeah. after yeah. this. Um, yeah. uh, but so there, there is so much consistency, but it's just interesting to see. I mean, that's the other thing I will say, is that, like, coming from Automata, you're like, okay, Automata is very much echoing at the very least what's happening here visually and and narratively but also just like the places there's a place called the airy that you go to which is these like um it's it's much more beautiful than the machine village from near automata but you can see this touch of them these cylindrical yeah. houses where people are, in, are inside and they have this very you know they're very closed off when you when you get there um, and you're like, okay, what's going on? Which is kind of an inverse of the machine village in many ways. Um, uh, or, or the, uh, you know, exploring the desert and coming to the masked people. And you're like, okay, hey, what's up with the masked people? How are the robots who wear masks from Automata an echo of this? Um, there is, there, there's a lot happening there that, that I get, I do get why people who, who are like near uh, uh, evangelists came to Automata and were like, why did any of you, if you like this, why didn't you like this? Why didn't you like this thing when we were yelling about it? Um, and so, you know, sorry to those people. I, I don't, I like it now. Uh, um, all right, let's take a break and when we come back, we'll talk about some non near stuff. BRB. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, we are back. Hey, Rob, are you still playing Judgment? Are you still are you still making progress in in the Am underworld? I ever? Of- <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Uh, it's going really well. I um, 
so I actually had a sequence unfold in that game that really might have got me to like all the way in Ooh. on judgment. Um, and it's still an early game se- sequence. So like early game being relative, I think like 10 hours in or whatever, like, <laughs> yeah. or like eight. Um, but okay. So I'm going to, as I talk about this game, I'm just going to start lightly spoiling it. Like if you don't want to hear anything about judgment at all about what happens, like I, it's going to be impossible for me to talk about this game. Cause like so but just a few mechanics. years ago, uh, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious yeah. enough to where like, I'm so much in that position of like, I need I would need a I need a spoiler to get me interested enough to find a space to play that game in the future more than I need to not be spoiled because I know I'm going to play it in the future. Do you know what I mean? I need the yeah. hook. Hook so, me, Rob. The mm. um one of the cool things that they do right at the start is like any uh Yakuza game, it takes place in Kamarocho and it is a very much it's a town it's a part of town that's sort of overrun I by thought you were saying it's uh, Italian and I was like, it's not. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh no, but it's a town that's it's sort of run over uh by by the Yakuza. And one of the things about your character is that you were never Yagami uh was never a member of the Yakuza, but he was kind of like the adopted son of uh, the head of the Matsugani family. Uh, sort of a small, like it's sort of a low level underboss that runs, runs this neighborhood. And so he exists in this interesting place it, with regard to the local Yakuza clans where like he is, um, he's neither fish nor fowl. He is adjacent to the life, but he never, swore any oaths to the family etc but he one, does have like a regular style obligation given that he was taken care of by the family yeah, he, effectively he was adopted as a teenager um okay. after you learn later uh one of the reasons that he was he sort of needed to be taken under wing by the family as a teenager is that his parents were like brutally killed um when he was a young teenager um also by someone connected to uh a case where his where Yagami's lawyer father had gotten an acquittal. Um so this theme of like Yagami's life being marked by acquittal and then like horrifying um side effects uh is sort of a, a thread through his life. But in the opening scene, like your first time you got on the street, basically, you run into this local um like local capo basically uh captain hamura and at the time so the way i describe him is um very dennis leary-esque i would say just in his affect and demeanor has one of those real like smokers faces real craggy um and kind of just a mean motherfucker uh in the way he, he interacts with folks and um he doesn't seem like anything special though. He seems like such a bog standard mob archetype that like, I didn't really like, I figured like, okay, he's just like kind of the antagonistic asshole um, who is part of the local Yakuza clan. And he has a little, like he's distantly respectful of Yagami. He ends up being the first guy you have to defend. Uh, He ends up being like implicated in a slang, it's a bad case against him, uh, and you sort of prove that there's no way he was actually the killer. But by the end of the case, Yagami's also started to suspect that 
even if Hamura didn't actually kill this murder victim, there's a lot of evidence to suggest he knows who did. That it's just, it's too coincidental that he would be that closely tied to the murder and not have some connection to the serial killer who's be- behind these uh, these slayings. So the next part of the game is Yagami starts digging in and is trying to figure out, like, what is Captain Hamura up to? And he's warned off by a couple people, like, you know, case is over. Hamura doesn't want you digging into this any further. And eventually you have this, like, wild night where you go and get the Hamura finds you trying to question a witness and just kicks your ass. And it's sort of a light beat down, just a little roughed up, very private eye type stuff where like, you know, you get a little pop in the jaw. If you keep digging <laughs> into this, you know what happens to nosy fellas, right? Um, and you immediately go to the local boss of the Matsugani family. Who's effectively your adoptive father. And Yagami's like, Hey, Hamura and I are butting heads. And this guy, who's kind of the one you expect to have your back, says, I actually can't do anything because I've lost control of the family. I'm a figurehead. I just don't have, like, if the family has to choose between me or Hamura, they're going to choose Hamura because he brings in all the money. All the dudes are loyal to him. Um, I'm just still here as a mark of respect. But effectively, I'm like emeritus uh, godfather. And... Then one of Hamura's guys comes in and tells you, tells Yagami, Hamura wants to see you. And Yagami's like, well, we're not finished here. And you're the, the, the godfather kind of says, actually, we are. Hamura is summoning you. You got to go. And you go meet him for a sit down at a crowded restaurant. And it's very, it's, it's, it's sort of a cliche moment, but it's very cool. You sit down in a crowded restaurant. It's a public space. And Hamura's like, you just don't seem to get it. And I understand you're a tough guy. And you don't, like, lessons don't really sink in until they're beating you. Um, and so he's like, so you got to understand what you're dealing with here. And at that point, he pulls out a cigarette lighter, holds it above his head, and lights it. Restaurant goes dead silent. Everyone stands up and starts filing out. And you're alone in the room with this guy. Suddenly. And then the back door opens and a bunch of his goons come in and they just start wailing on Yagami. Um, And then you are taken out back and they start fixing to like actually kill him. Like Hamura is like telling his guys like uh, Yagami isn't getting the message. We just got to kill him now. (laughs) So you have a big now you have the big Yakuza knife fight in a phone booth type um, punch up. It's cool. You have to kick a lot of dudes asses. Um, and it is a, it's a pretty vicious fight. Like it's like, there is a feeling of Yagami is really taking damage, uh, over the course of this. And at the last second, he's saved by, um, this sort of the, the parkour vigilantes who've been running around town. One of them saves his ass, but you have an entire night now where you are just trying to get through, uh, and everyone is out on the streets looking for you. And so you're just like sort of running around town trying to like duck between crowds, crowds of Yakuza um, as they're trying to hunt you and uh, try to kill you. And so it's this realization of like, this is so much more dangerous a world than initially appears that like the thing that you sort of started the game with, which was this assumption that, well, 
whatever happens, Yagami is still like an honorary member of the Yakuza. Like they have his back. That connection is actually really perilous for him. And there is no, there's no real recourse uh, for him once he gets into um, like butting heads with, with Hamura. And so that's kind of where the game has left off here, which is that Hamura is out for blood. Um, Yagami is kind of in this race now to figure out like what is Hamura's actually actual connection. Uh, can't go to the police. Obviously, they don't care about what happens. It, it, the, here's the funny thing: your best ally, like the the your your sort of best informant, a bent cop. Like there's this guy who's like, look, I I'm a bad cop, but I'm a good detective, and he so basically he has become an information broker where he's like, there's a lot of things the cops won't investigate. But he likes solving the cases. If he's solving them for criminals, it might as well. He, he may as well. So mm-hmm. he starts putting together a lot of other threads. And so I'm at like the game that was kind of opened up where the case is much bigger. The cast of characters and what they mean are all pointing in different directions. And we're starting to get into the deep lore of some of the relationships of these characters who surround Yagami. Um, and so his buddy, uh, Kaito, who's very much like what if Kiryu was the sidekick? of a game like what if like yagami's best buddy is effectively like a kiryu with with the serial numbers filed off um (laughs) but he's like been sort of sent out of the family in disgrace um yeah he really is like kiryu uh but yeah he's been he's been sort of unjustly kicked out of the family and so one of the cases you have to solve is like what actually happened with that because he was basically framed for by Hamura for being a fuck up and uh, in the process of covering up what he'd done, Homura committed a pretty brutal murder that has scared the shit out of other members of the Yakuza family. So, like, Homura goes from being this completely, like, right minor character in The Sopranos <laughs> to being, like, a terrifying, not mastermind, because he's too direct and vicious. There's nothing oblique about Homura. It's just, like, kind of raw power and aggression. and that's kind of what you're up against. But there's also fun goofs in the middle. And this is kind of where I also, I talked the other week about like, I didn't like the tonal shifts. As I'm putting more time in this game and I'm realizing this is a long ass game and these like a single play session pretty effortlessly feels like an hour where you, where you see it's complete like part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm realizing the whole game's kind of paced more like a TV show. Like you have. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. You, you have your main plot episode and it gets really heavy. And then not too long after that, the game will often throw something comical in your way. And you go spend like 20 minutes doing something really low stakes, like same mechanics, but like really chill. And so that's kind of the rhythm it's falling into. And once I'd sort of made that connection, I'm like, I'm actually more okay with this. Cause I think it would get, more exhausting if it was nothing but like Yakuza crime epic paranoia. Um, that would be a bit of a grind. And also I think the game is actually better at doing these tonal shifts than say, um, like any Ubisoft game. It feels like you'll just stumble into wacky town sometimes. And it's so broad and so charmless that like, it doesn't really yeah, um, provide the same feeling of like, that was a fun little escapade. Here, there's a lot of there's a lot of bits like I had a Phoenix Wright style um, mock trial because at the law office used to work. 
the secretary was convinced somebody was stealing um, the pastry she bought from a special store. And her buddy, the uh, junior prosecutor, was just swinging by another business. But she gets sort of dragooned into being the prosecutor in this case. And they're like, Yagami, you got to prove that the young lawyer here isn't a cake thief. And so, like, you have a whole... A uh, very self-conscious send-up of a Phoenix Wright game uh, where you sort of got to crack the case and prove why that wasn't possible. Um, and, you know, after a night of being on the run for my life uh, against the Yakuza, that was a fun, that was a fun uh, subplot. Totally. I'm glad that it's clicked completely at this point. It feels like you're, it feels like you're in for the long haul at this point that you're going to. You're going to finish this before anything else swings by to demand your attention. I'm happy. For, I'm happy for you, Rob. I'm very happy for you. Um, Kato, do you are you are you able to talk about anything that you're playing or no. are you are you also deep in embargo territory? Yeah, that's well, that's where I I'm am. Sorry. Certain okay. well, games coming out soon in a week. Uh huh. <laughs> Well, we'll have to uh, check in with you in the future. Yeah. That wasn't like I thought about like finding a word that would sneak that would like tease what you're playing, <laughs> but I didn't come up with one. I just said check in as if that was uh Yeah, that's a thing that's clue. yeah, sure. That's a clue. Figure that out, listener. Figure <laughs> <laughs> Uh Instead, I think I think we should we should probably just take a dip in the question bucket and and send this one on to the weekend afterwards because we got a lot of questions and a lot of comments. Robbie, you missed a, a little bit this week. Uh huh. We have cast. I've cast so many pods this week. I, I'm. <laughs> we still have a friends at the table episode to work on today, and Ooh. then a Patreon thing for tomorrow. It's fine. It's fine. It's the uh-huh. job. It's the gig. Yeah. Um. Uh. Gaming at vice dot com is the address. Um. The one of the recurring things that we've had is is people talking about weird places they've played games. Um. Uh. You missed this one last week or on Monday, Rob, but. People had sent in some 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 pretty fun places, including like working the lights at a live theater production during a WoW raid. I don't I don't know that these live up to that, but they're very <laughs> good still. Jeverage writes in and says, "Hey friends, also not an MMO, but one autumn I worked for a local farmer couple who made a maze in their cornfield. It was me and a bunch of other late teens doing rotating shifts, uh, uh, sitting in a shack selling tickets, which didn't happen often because nobody came. But on the week of Halloween, they had all of us coming at once and sent most of us out into the corn maze at night and in costume to scare guests." No further direction was given, so we all just kind of split up and found our own hiding spots in the vast maze. As before, we had almost actually almost no actual visitors, and I had recently uh, rediscovered my old GBASP in the closet. So there's me at about 10 p.m. in full darkness, dressed as the Grim Reaper or whatever, and sitting cross-legged alone in a cornfield playing Super Mario 3. That's the whole story, <laughs> Jeffridge. I respect that. I would that would have been that would have been a fun thing to turn the corner in a corn maze and see. Just the Grim yeah, Reaper playing, playing GBA. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? How you doing? Ryan writes in and says, hey, Waypoint crew, uh, I just thought I'd chime in with my stories about gaming in places where I shouldn't as solicited in episode 388. Not an MMO, but hopefully a fun one all the same. Like Gita mentioned doing in 389, I too have played games and lectures. The one instance that comes to mind was early in my time at university. I was studying uh, education and at 8 a.m. Monday morning a lecture, which was quite early factoring the hour and a half travel time. That's brutal. As a result, some mornings I was quite drained. After a particularly grueling weekend one time, I declared, screw it. I'm going to play some FTL, a decision partially motivated by the fact that a classmate had attended zero lectures uh, and was getting HDs. What is HDs? This is a European. This is a European. Half days? 
<laughs> no, it has to be sort of some sort of grade, huh? Uh, because because the thing that follows after this is, I figured I could take a week off, so that means like that must mean like pretty. You're doing pretty good. I have no idea sure. what this could mean. I have no idea what this could mean. Anyway, half demerits. I was getting H, half demerits. Maybe I don't like, fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, whatever that means, uh, <laughs> um, the this person, uh, Ryan, uh, figured I could take a week off. I proceeded to sit down in the lecture and play through a failed run, quietly whispering ex- uh, explanations of what I was doing to my friend next to me. Unfortunately, despite sitting in the same oh, two God. seats that we always sat in, th- uh, that week, the course co-coordinator... Uh, or the course coordinator was sitting directly behind us. She said nothing until the end of the lecture, where she pulled us aside and quietly told us to strongly consider why we were in that course. Well, I thought it was funny at the time. She may have had my had the last laugh. Uh, my friend dropped out at the end of the year, and I transferred into a media and communications course, completing my honors last year studying actual play shows, and I'm starting a PhD in a similar area this year. So not quite FTL, but hey. Anyway, that's my story. I hope you enjoyed it. Honorable mention to the lockdown last year when I had a Zoom wedding and a Discord server D&D game scheduled for the same time, though I decided against trying to attend both. You have the good work. <laughs> you have to you have to threes company it. And that's if you have a threes company situation cross you, I feel like you have a responsibility to try and hit it. Also, Patrick left, by the way. I should note. Yeah. <laughs> we've heard Rob. We've heard we've heard Patrick had to go take care of uh, families, family stuff. Everything's fine. He just we knew he had to he had to bounce early. Um I I think if you have a potential, especially in a Zoom situation, which is a low stakes situation. Mm-hmm. I know weddings are important. I I don't know how close this person is to the wedding, but there is some Zoom weddings right. where I'd be like and it also depends on how how role play heavy this D game is but if you're just in combat and you have to type in a in a discord chat that like hey guys yeah i'm gonna do fireball like i feel like you could do that just mute yourself <laughs> or if you want to call just mute yourself on this on on zoom it's right fine. You, you, it's fine. no no nobody knows how computers work just say that your camera isn't working fucking mute the whole thing say your camera isn't working right turn My it off camera they can't isn't tell, working sorry but you're still there Wait, sorry, Kata, why is it important that your camera... Well, because then you can act, you can have, if you're, well, this depends on where you're doing it, right? Like, I guess, were they both Zoom calls? No, it was a Zoom and a Discord. Zoom and a Discord. So in Discord, you have your camera on, and you can, like, act and talk to... You'd be like, ah, I'm a wizard. Yeah, like, right. you can make motions thought, or whatever. Mind, like, are you in full wizard regalia in this <laughs> scenario? Yeah, you're doing cosplay while you're role-playing, obviously. Doesn't <laughs> everyone do this? Things and you're like, I thought this was a costume wedding. <laughs> I thought you... <laughs> Not enough people do costume weddings. Yeah, honestly. Um, <laughs> please don't start doing costume weddings. I don't need any more fucking anxiety about going to weddings. Uh, all right. Uh, let's take a dip in the food bucket here. Uh, Gene writes in, Hey, Waypoint crew, I definitely had some food opinions, but after the water glass email, I knew I had to present the argument that caused strife between multiple friendships. You are sitting on a couch. You ask your friend to bring you a Pop-Tart. They say, sure, and bring you a single Pop-Tart removed from the wrapper and not heat it up. Is this acceptable? Is a request for a Pop-Tart only a single Pop-Tart from the wrapper or the pear from the whole wrapper? Is it okay that it wasn't toasted? Or is it assumed you want to have it heated up like if you ask for toast, you shouldn't just get a slice of bread? Please keep up the great work, and I hope it doesn't cause a divide that, in my friend community Slack, caused us to add an automatic response to Slackbot when someone brings up Pop-Tarts. If needed, assume (laughs) that this is from a box... And that there are other wrappers still left or other, like, you know, full 
units Look, of Pop-Tarts. Language, you know, words mean things. Toast means toast because we have bread and toast, two different objects. Pop-Tart and toasted Pop-Tart are two different fucking things. Yeah, but Pop-Tart <laughs> no, has no, pop in no. it. No, no. I'm not going <laughs> to no, win this one. Not this time. Do you have any idea, like... <laughs> I've actually yeah. eaten way more cold pop tarts than hot. Like, yeah, I don't like them hot. But you're right. But you're right. It's also dangerous. I, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. This shit is molten. The inside I mean, of a pop tart, and you. Go, oh, this is warm. I, I'm got to be careful at this point. Yeah, I know. It's just like I wouldn't automatically assume anyone else wants to deal with that unless they asked for it, or like I would ask. That's the actual as, thing. As the, as the host, I would untoasted pop tart. You can't untoast a toasted pop exactly. I would definitely ask as the host, be like, "Do you want do you want that heated up, or you just want a, a cool one, right? Like, you don't think ahead." I think the host's responsibility is to is to follow up. Yeah, I think that's correct. But I don't think it's so egregious to receive just one. I also two. don't think I'd like, ever be in a situation where I'd be like, "Can I get a strawberry pop tart?" I just not that sort of guest household. <laughs> Maybe they were talking about pop tarts. Maybe it made sense in context. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I could go for one of those right now." We're talking about pop tarts because of some other shit. Um, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, I got some here. Have one, but also, absolutely. Do you need? Would only have says, one. Do you need anything? A glass of water, and I go a a, a brown sugar pop tart, please. I mean, if you if you know <laughs> someone, like if you know someone's pantry that well, I feel like that's a situation where that's probably chill. Because otherwise, I'm not going <laughs> to be randomly asking for like, do you have X Y Z's popular snack? Like. <laughs> Like uh, I, know I know you got before. them s'mores uh, pop tarts. You, you gotta share. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the s'mores. Pop- I don't like. I don't, I don't yeah. like the s'mores pop tarts. My favorite is definitely still the strawberry. My favorite is cherry, shit. which is not as widely available. You can't get those from like. So like my bodega does not have cherry, huh? Like the that's the pink frosting ones. The pink frosting yeah, with yeah. the red little things. Those are good. I like that more than I like strawberry, but strawberry is a classic. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the, brown sugar, but I yeah. can't. I won't, don't want to get a double box. I never get a double box of those. I, ideally, those are things I get. But my my brown sugar pop tarts is is twenty ten twenty eleven. I'm at Cal Arts. <laughs> I don't have much money for food, and also it's one a.m. because I'm working late. Mm-hmm. But there is a there is a uh, a food uh, or there is a snack um, vending machine yeah and that has a, a single brown sugar uh, <laughs> yeah. pop tart this will be dinner uh, for too much doll- for two dollars or whatever you know what's so rude uh, shit about pop tarts in vending machines is when they put them on the top row like really you're, yeah, gonna, you're gonna fucking you're gonna fucking break my corners for me what the fuck put that shit at the bottom no, not fair but then not people can, but then people can steal it that's why. I like that you dropped your voice there <laughs> to sound like a PSA, but then people can steal it. Or actually, you sound like an unsolved Look, mysteries guy at this point. <laughs> did 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 I have a stick affectionately called the stick that could get anything from anywhere in the vending machines where I worked at school? Maybe. Uh, did my friends wow, all know this and ask about the stick? <laughs> Look, we were poor. How'd you not get caught? Uh, it was like one in the morning. No one was awake. I was the security Maybe guard. The- security. Oh, it was an inside <laughs> job. <laughs> exactly. Uh, You're the bent cop from <laughs> fucking from Rob's judgment job, game. Yeah. Uh, Are you okay? Well, were you providing for other people? You no, absolutely. Stick? This is what I'm saying. Uh, like everyone, people you. knew knew I about the stick. They come back and ask about the, the stick. He's like, yeah, here you go. 
Here's the stick. Wait, did people come up to you and say, hey, you, 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 you yes. got the stick? You got the stick? Can I get the stick? I'm <laughs> like, yeah, here's the stick. <laughs> uh, ambiguity there. The ambiguity is sure. It's, yeah. It's yeah, speaks don't volumes. <laughs> well, honestly, congrats to you. I'm just shocked that the the vending machine person was not like, this is not the take. The take is off every fucking time. We have to move this vending machine or something. I don't know. But I, I feel like nobody was paying that close attention. Also, it used like funny money, uh, fucking like school bucks or whatever was part of it. So like the actual cash in there wouldn't always line up. They'd have to like go against like school records of like getting payments out. So like, sure. Who knows who right. was comparing those sure. things? They were just refilling it, you That's know? Point. That's fine. That's point. <laughs> Jackson writes in and says, Dear Waypoint, custodians of the food bucket, the recent episode's generous emphasis on food bucket discussions has been a trip, and it's inspired a bit of reflection on my own culinary uh, eccentricities, eccentricities, all of which rose from either, one, a desire to eat something late at night where there are no, uh, where, I'm guessing this is there's no one else and only God can see me. <laughs> uh, and then two, a need to eat something cheap because a master's in folklore was not cutting checks. The confluence of these circumstances led to my longstanding guiltless pleasure, peanut butter ice cream, in quotes. Hmm. Of course, I'm no. not talking about peanut butter flavored ice cream, which is delicious. I'm also not suggesting you dump a scoop of Skippy in a bowl of vanilla and whip it together into some sort of mixture. Though maybe. I literally just shove a fuck off tub of crunchy Jif peanut butter in the fridge mm. and eat it as a snack. Mm. Which, yeah, I acknowledge isn't too beyond, too far beyond the pale, but I'm not finished. When I scoop out a spoonful, I recommend a tablespoon, I drizzle honey and hot sauce on the peanut butter mm. before taking a bite. Mm. And I repeat the process until satiated. This horrifies my loved ones. I try to explain to them that the combination of texture, heat, and sweet turns out to be a pretty bitchin' snack, a culinary delight, <laughs> in fact. But I'm too busy navigating my alchemist set of Costco-sized wildflower honey and artisanal hot sauce, so I wind up making my, my point pretty poorly. My setup is pictured below. I definitely recommend a more viscous hot sauce. Thinner varieties like Texas Pete don't do the job. Huh. I'm going to find this image. We have to see this image. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Ooh, okay. Here's the setup. The setup is we got Jif, extra crunchy, as reported. Mm -hmm. We got Kirkland wildflower honey. This is not one of your fancy honeys, Rob. It's <laughs> not one of your out there honeys. And Melinda's uh, creamy style ghost pepper wing sauce and condiment. Uh, Jackson adds, all of this is to say, what weird snacks and treats have y'all made for yourselves? I've never done anything this weird. Um, mm. uh, I feel like this is this is so much weirder than anything I make. That's like a little treat. Does anyone else have any like weird DIY late night? treats hold on so i have to ask for clarification here do you know yeah. is this fridge or or um did they said fridge not freezer right this is <laughs> so it's just cold just cold just cold peanut butter peanut cold butter crunchy ghost pepper wing sauce shit that seems like a lot yeah like ghost pepper sauces That's i mean i get strong. maybe this is a maybe it's a very limited like maybe Maybe this is stolen valor <laughs> for ghost ghost pepper sauces or something. Just maybe say I don't creamy know. style. I don't know. Maybe it's been diluted enough. Yeah, um, it does have five peppers at the bottom of it, though. Or it's, yeah, five flame flame symbols. Right. That costs five red mana to cast. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I don't know what to feel about this. I feel like there's there's there is a world where. 
I would try this. At the ghost pepper, I feel like I'm just like weary of because how hot it is. But otherwise, yeah, I think I see. I see where they're what they're. Do you think at. the honey and the peanut butter could cut that heat enough to be? I think the honey definitely pull it in will a different help. direction. Yeah, I think. I wonder how probably cut it, but also I think like hot and sweet are good combos. So like yeah. it's just kind of a ratio thing. Like I could imagine that being pretty good. It really depends on how oily the sauce is. So like how much does the heat build? Right. Um, because that's what'll get you with a lot of the sauces. Does, but yeah, I'm not right. sure this is a you know real ghost pepper or like I'm not sure that the ghost pepper is the starring player in the sauce. Sure. Does Jif have sugar in it already? Yeah, it comes up every time we talk about peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, so it's you're you're, you're probably I getting like that honey flavor on top of like sh- the really sweet uh, Jif flavor. It probably helps with the heat, but you. also makes me want to try it less. Yes, does have sugar. Mm. Correct. I mean, here, here's the thing: like, I am all good. I I, I fully support, like, especially when you're loving on that mm. budget. You know what? If that if that peanut butter hits that like, mm, I am satisfied, I am full button. Yeah, that's the true. button you want to hit. And so, like, mistake I would make is I'd be like, no, I, got, I should try to make something more nutritious, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd be, like, really hungry. Right. Because, uh, like, it turns out a, a sandwich made of cheap uh, ingredients wasn't really getting me to the point where I was like, I'm actually satisfied because it didn't, it didn't push those buttons. So, like, Absolutely. Send a big old, like, sweet, proteiny, fatty, um, delicious peanut butter mm. uh, to, to get that job done and put a little complexity on it <laughs> with the uh, sauces. Now, um, this doesn't really count as super weird, but I have and I want because this is like mixing two things that you normally don't uh, wanted to shout out that uh, if you enjoy Mountain Dew, Baja Blast. Have I got the recipe for you? Two thirds Mountain Dew to one third blue Gatorade. Thank you, TikTok. I forget the TikTok user that shouted this out. That Baja Blast is literally what's just dude, Gatorade. Like, what's the what's the effect of this? It makes it Baja this Blast less carbonated. Oh wait, but you, oh, you're saying you're Take, saying just regular Mountain Dew, right? Because you can only get Baja what, Blast at fucking Taco Bell, and sometimes, I as I you. learned, uh, to Three well, three days ago when you're listening to this, uh, yeah. Taco Bell doesn't sometimes won't deliver uh, soft drinks from their fountain. You can you can only get cans, and they don't have fucking cans of fucking uh, Baja Blast. Sure. So you try a little science experiment and say, yeah. you know what, Mountain Dew does taste like Mountain Dew Baja Blast does taste like Mountain Dew with blue flavor. So what's the bluest flavor there is gator blue blue the dark blue gatorade specifically (laughs) who's the bluest yeah Uh, great uh and it fucking works it's delicious and it tastes like drink of all that's what it is yeah Uh uh-huh god uh Uh, can we read lorenzo's email who's lorenzo sure go for it sure let me just pull this up here uh because lorenzo's brought this up a couple times oh yes this lorenzo our lorenzo motherboards lorenzo uh so Lorenzo writes, all our Waypoint friends, first time writer, long time listener. Can you please explain? And this has come up multiple times in yeah. the Slack. So like this is actually really bothering Lorenzo. Can you <laughs> please explain to me why U.S. Americans not only find it acceptable, but actually cherish and crave 
sandwiches made with multiple Italian cold cuts. I have seen deli sandwiches with one or two inches of salame, yeah. uh, prosciutto, mortadella, and maybe one or even two more types of salumi. I'm okay <laughs> with an abundance of meat, but if you mix them all, the flavors get mushed together, and you can't tell what you're eating anymore. Also, if you put something like salami or chorizo, then they take over the whole thing. Why? What is the point of this? Please help me understand this bizarre tradition. I've been thinking about this a lot for a couple of days. Okay. I, I just think Lorenzo's palate isn't very uh, refined. Oh you can't God, pull apart all these different the tasting face, notes. I'm going to hide Lorenzo. <laughs> I'm going to hide the body. You don't you don't? Okay. Look, there are fights you don't take, but go ahead, Rob. <laughs> At least Rob has an answer instead yeah. of just an insult. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I think there's a couple things. One is that... The United States generally, I don't think, has a really good deli meat tradition that's like homegrown necessarily. Uh, like a lot of supermarket deli meats, like there's a lot of turkey, smoked turkey, yeah. and a lot of like really under uh, seasoned ham Hams, that yeah, are yeah. really load bearing elements in a lot of sandwiches. So a lot of people started though the way you would make these sandwiches interesting, and I definitely had this arc like. The first time I had, like, nice deli meats, I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know this existed until I was a teenager. Because for me, I've been like, it's it's, it's turkey, it's ham, and maybe a, a, a really underwhelming salami compared to what's possible out there. But, so you take these, like, kind of bland meats, but you can sure get a lot of them, and then you start adding in, like, these more flavorful meats, and they sort of, like, they do take over the whole thing, they make kind of a cheaper and boring sandwich feel plentiful and abundant and interesting. One of the other things, and I think this is sort of a parallel thread is that as Americans, a lot of us are conditioned to view um, consumerist conceptions of choice as freedom and like plenty. And so like the notion of I'm expressing what I want by describing the sandwich that I'm just going to start grab bagging all these different varieties of meat on top of it. And like there, now this is my own creation. This is my favorite kind of sandwich. Um, and I think that is intention with any sort of respectful tradition where it's like, no, this is what this, this is the flavor of this meat. This is the characteristic it has. Like a lot of us are conditioned to and marketed to view just abundance and superficial choice as the good life and so the idea well, of where do we go from that to layering the, the choices as being preferable to choosing? bourgeois aspiration mm, i see like especially like when you talk about like these nice like the like these stacks of like now nice italian deli meats yeah it's like okay so you're a sophisticated you've passed the exams that david brooks didn't think you could um, you know, you know what prosciutto is, yeah. you know what uh -huh. mortadella you know what is, you know right, all yeah, the yeah. Italian uh -huh. meats. Yeah. But what is better to show that you've arrived than stacking them all on top of each other? Like, you know, pictures of those like giant stacks of uh, pastrami sandwiches that people mm -hmm. are like, that's New York, baby. Yeah. Like make that for yourself. But with Italian deli meats, now you're a sophisticated sandwich eater. And it's like, behold, my affluence. I have filled the sandwich with charcuterie. So why don't we think it tastes bad? 
Because it tastes good. It tastes good. good. This is the thing. But but Lorenzo's right. We also aren't trained to appreciate the nuance because a lot of our palates were shaped by really boring deli meats. Palates are shaped is the answer, right? That like we've we've the reason that you can if you're if your palate is trained well you could go into a, an Italian deli and like really understand the differences between all these meats and like how they land differently on your tongue and the way what what you could pair them with uh uh in terms of in terms of cheeses or even breads to bring out something else is something you learn through being raised on them and understanding the the distinct taste difference and, and taste profiles of each and this is like this is not what we've done and so and like, having these the good are all stuff spicy available. and good yeah mm-hmm. where it's like Someone's like, hey, I've got a really nice cheese to go with that. And you're like, damn, like it turns out this like, you know, slice of really nice salami and this particular uh, cheese. Like, that's incredible. I could just eat that all day. Whereas a lot of us were kind of like, all right, the Pepperidge Farm bread, slap a little Grey Poupon on there. And how do I stack on top of this? This is, this to me is. <laughs> this is class. Uh, deli eating. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I've, I've leveled up from Wonder Bread to Pepperidge Farms. Feels like the like, ah, yes. Now, now I'm, 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 ma- I'm making the, the wise and educated choice here. Um, yeah. But I think that's just, that's it. I think it is, is about, not having that acculturation to to other types of of deep flavor profiles, and I like listen. There's there's trade offs there, right? Like I'm grateful that we live in a, in a in a world or in a in a. I'm grateful that I live in a city that is filled with cuisine from all over the world, and that I can be a a, a sort of a con, not a con, I, I'm not a connoisseur, and instead <laughs> I'm a a dabbler. You know what I mean? Like you can go to I can go to any type of of restaurant from anywhere. Uh, you know, anywhere in the city that represents various places in the world and like find something. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And <laughs> that is not going to lead me to have a deep knowledge of Ethiopian food. But if I go to an Ethiopian place, like, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's go with this. Uh, and that is that is that is the choice I guess I've, I've made with my adult life <laughs> is to be a dabbler. Um, I got one more here. Actually, I got I got I got two more here. Let's let let me let me. Let me read this question that or this email that's titled Rob's World of Honey, the Dark Truth from Tyler, who says, hey, Waypoint folks, let me tell you about some out there honeys. When I met my last partner, they were working at the honey shop Rob mentioned. Saying that there is a world of honey sounds like a joke. But after moving in together, I learned the dark truth. Honey's color, flavor and texture can all vary by location, season, plant uh, that pollen was collected from and essentially every variable under the sun. This leads to every jar being a little bit different. Most people won't realize this because supermarket honey is heated for easier packing. This process destroys any unique characteristics the honey previously had by turning it into a simple syrup. The dark truth uh, about people who are deep in that honey game is that they'll hoard jars until the end of time. It's like (laughs) living with someone who can't justify throwing out the shampoo bottle. They'll add a little warm and uh, they'll add a little warm and boom, you've got tasty drink. Or they'll let the honey aid that let that honey age into crystallized rock candy. When we moved, there was a box filled with more honey than all of the dishes in the kitchen. <laughs> On a happy note, that place, follow the honey, is still open. It looks like they're doing well between in store and online shop. Uh, and then there's a link here to some stuff of all the different stuff that honey is used for. Y'all want to get high? There's honey for that. Y'all got major burns? There's honey for that, too. Uh, that's wild. I didn't. Why is there honey for burns? Did we know this? I believe the honey gets you high. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But apparently there is a there's an article here from 
the national, the U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institute of Health, up to date use of honey for burns treatment. Great, good to know. Is there like bee spit enzymes in the honey or something? Maybe sounds yeah. That sounds like a thing we could we could. <laughs> I mean, burns are treated like with a mix of topical ointments and like wrappings, right? Like that's that's basically it. So I imagine I'm sure there's there's some honey with some good stuff in there for. Uh, you know, skin recovery. Yeah, why not? Sure. Uh, final question today comes in from Michael. Mike from Minneapolis. After the further discussion of fortune cookie etiquette, I thought I'd mention my weird food quirk. The colors in a standard pack of M&Ms have gone through several changes, originally consisting of red, yellow, violet, green, and brown until the late 1940s when violet was removed and replaced with tan. Red was removed in 1976 <clears throat> due to the dye being used uh, uh, being a, sus- a suspected car- uh, carcinogen and replaced by orange. <laughs> Red rejoined the pack in the mid-80s with a new dye, and from the 80s to the 95 to 95, the colors consisted of red, yellow, green, brown, orange, and tan. In 95, they replaced tan with blue. Since 1995, I refuse to eat blue M&M's as a form of protest against the removal of tan. If, I've, if I have a pack of M&M's, I will eat all of them, except for the blue ones, leaving them in the pack and offering them to anyone else I may be with, before finally throwing them away. Yes, this is wasteful, but some forms of protest must be extreme. If there's an instance of a bowl of M&Ms, I will pick out uh, I will pick out one by one any of them except the blue ones. I understand that there is no flavor difference between any of the colors and that having both t- tan and brown makes little sense, but from the ages of 3 to 13, I knew of tan and refused to change. Does anyone else have any form of food protest they participate in? Nothing like this. <laughs> no. This you got to eat the blue ones. I knew of no. tan. What do you mean no? You have to honor the troops. <laughs> Bring back the tan M and M's. Why aren't you fighting for violet? Salute our flag. What happened to the violet? Why? Why? Why not this heat for the violet, which was replaced by tan to begin with? Tan was already a replacement. Tan was the first replacement. <laughs> I'm putting That's out. I'm I'm digging into the ancient conspiracy thing. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make a flag that has. This is too dark. I'm not doing the thing I was going to say. But if you know, <laughs> did you know? Is this is this the venue to say that I grew up not knowing that the POW MIA flags were a conspiracy theory? I didn't know this until recently. I don't think most people do. I do not think that is common knowledge. It's not. I don't think it is. What? There's- so explain to people. Explain to people what the conspiracy theory is, because you still see that often flying below an American flag. Hundred percent. Where it's like respect the to the troops. Respect to the troops. Well, like that's the thing is you get in on the respect to the troops of Vietnam, but the conspiracy theory, as I understand, as I understand it, is that there are still troops out there well, caught up in 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 POW camps. Yep. But that's, that's why not, it's the POW MIA flag. That's the that POW. So, right. Yes. Correct. But that's not true. No. The entire conspiracy theory is that as part of the agreement to withdraw from with from Vietnam, the United States sold out. Right. Um, it's so there's like layers of stab in the back myth that surround Vietnam. One is that Creighton Abrams had the war won by 1972, uh-huh. and that the uh, NVA was defeated. Um, and the other is that. In part of that, uh, like peacenik push, Richard Nixon, notorious Pete, of peacenik. course, huge. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing, though, I could absolutely believe Kissinger would do this. So, like, there is <laughs> like, like I wouldn't, I would not put this past past this motherfucker. But it just makes no sense that this would happen. But as part of withdrawing from Vietnam, 
they never recovered the prisoners who'd been taken by the uh, NVA. And so people who were listed as missing in action, uh, they weren't like just lost or like killed on some battlefield and their bodies not recovered. They were consigned to the rest of their lives being in communist gulags in Vietnam uh, right. because it was just more convenient to forget about them. And then Rocky II basically endorses this. Right. Not Rocky. Uh, right, Rambo. Rambo, Rambo. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rambo yeah. does this. Right. I was like, Rocky? Mm. Yeah, Rambo. The other Stallone. <laughs> In my yeah. head, I actually didn't realize there were two different franchises. Uh-huh. And I was like, damn. <laughs> so after getting out of that yeah. uh, that one horse town and fighting those police, he became the <laughs> he champ? Became a prize fighter. Yeah. <laughs> American hero. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, both of those series are do include him fighting communists, right? So, I mean, that's... That's how this goes in the long run. Um, God. Uh, yeah. Anyway, my joke was going to be about the POW flag, but with the violet M&M. And that's why I was like, mm, is that too far? That might be too fuck far. Fuck that flag. But that was a fuck that flag. <laughs> yeah. And people see, I don't think I don't even think most people flying it really know that it's no. like a radical right wing. Like they genuinely think they don't know. Like, yeah. They think, like, the oh, Im- yeah. Shout out the implication to of that flag is always that there are still. This is why, like, it's a sad little silhouette with like a guard tower in the background. It's like thinking about all those people we've like forgotten. Um, the irony, of course, is that the United States basically does run those camps, um, <laughs> yes, and so today. like black site prisons are a thing. Um, but anyway, can we get a counter just, flag for for all of the people? You know, this is. I mean, this is the thing. Is like, uh, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't flying the counter flag would be. In some ways, just agreeing that in a, that that is my ineffectual politics is I put a flag out in front of my apartment and that's that's it. That's all I'm doing for the people behind bars, baby. Fuck that. That's no good either. Um, <laughs> I like the holiday M and M's. They just feel like Christmas to they me. They do the feel like Christmas. <laughs> like they just made me happy. I'm like, they look do. at those two fun well, little. My colors dog and- wants eight. I don't have a dog anymore. <laughs> Unrelated, but not because of this. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> We, there was a situation where, where M&M's, Christmas M&M's were disappearing during the holidays. The holiday M&M's were disappearing. And we were all like, who, like, there was a lot of, like, blame going around the house of, like, all right, all right, you're, you're just blowing through these M&M's, huh? Aren't you? And then we realized, no, it's the dog who's jumping up onto the high counter oh, no. to eat these M&M's. And we had to cover them up from then on. It was, um, we had, it took us a long time to realize our two uh, Beagle Spaniel mixes were uh their their sisters they would break all the rules when we left the house um so they're real good about like there here's the places we can't go when the people are around but like <laughs> there was a day that like i think i can't remember who who it was who, who came back that was my dad came back unexpectedly to get something he left behind but he approached quietly enough that they didn't hear him approach and so he walked in and they were standing on the dining room table. Um, and it had like, it was sort of a softish wood. So like, we couldn't figure out like, like they were clearly fucking it up somehow, but we didn't realize they just hung out up there all day long. <sighs> but, um, also like one time they got up there and they devoured an entire bag of chocolate candy. And, man, these dogs really don't prepare me for me now because they just shrugged it off. Like they mm-hmm. ate a ton of chocolate no ill effects. Those dogs were were fine. Uh, meanwhile, like, you know, Mina gets one thing that doesn't agree with her. And we're taking like an ER trip at three in the morning uh, being like, hope she hope she isn't dying. And the, the vet's like, no, she just has terrible gas. 
That's why your dog seems sad. Uh, she just needed to unleash one holy fart. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I will just one thing about the follow the honey story though. Please. That story makes me suspect something. Sometimes when I used to frequent that shop more regularly, I sometimes had the feeling that I was competing with the staff of the store to get good honeys. Oh, I believe that a hundred percent. You'd come in and there'd be something that they were sampling because they did samples and you'd be like, fuck, that's a good honey. But you wouldn't buy enough. You'd be like, yeah, it's expensive. Uh, just I'll take it home. But you, you, you get home and it's still really good honey. And you're like, damn, I want a lot more of that now. Mm-hmm. And you go back and it was like, oh, we're just out. We sold we out. We sold out. Sorry. And Do, you think like, well, back. Do you think that was a situation where they were like, yeah, you had a chance. You didn't take it. You didn't trust us that this was the good honey. So now it's ours. I think there's a lot. There was I like a window a where they have to go a day before they're allowed to buy the honey. And then you, you lost that day. And now they're allowed. Yeah. And now it's back that now it's back to like, well, we have some uh, you know, blueberry honey from uh Vermont if you want that. Like that's back. Like, I don't now. want that gimmicky shit. <laughs> I want real I just want the good honey. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. Where is it? Give me the honey. <laughs> Everybody hey, needs honey. Winnie the Pooh. That's why they call it honey. <laughs> 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 Uh, shit. <laughs> I think we're done. And we're done. That's a podcast. Thank you to everyone. <laughs> Woo! Make sure you, you tip your servers. Uh, we'll be here all week. I hope everybody has a good weekend. If you see us around the, the ship, say hello. We don't bite. In this scenario, we're on a waypoint cruise mm. during a pandemic. <laughs> Uh, you follow me on Twitter at also underscore Walker. Where can people follow you, Kato? At a underscore Kato underscore appears. Rob. At Rob Zachney. Uh, as always, you can follow us twitter.com slash waypoint, waypoint.vice.com. You can go read Dia's review. Near Replicant beautifully updates a classic oddity, but can't replace it. You can also read uh, Mortal Kombat succeeded beyond its creator's dreams, just as it as they planned uh, by Patrick Klepek, an interview with John Tobias. Um, uh, shouts to Bowen for letting us use the track. Miss you off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that. Waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, I think that's all the stuff I normally say. I think that's it. Gaming at vice.com is the email address. Send us more questions. We will do our best to keep answering them. I've been really happy with the the flow of questions we've gotten lately. So let's keep that up if possible. I I really appreciate it. Um, All right. Have a safe weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Monday. Nope. Tuesday. We'll be back on Monday, but you'll hear us on Tuesday Mm -hmm. with more from Waypoint Radio. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. Did a peace symbol. I was like, peace. Bash the stampede. Bash <laughs> I was gonna say. You gotta cross your fingers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and peace. Rob identified a couple minutes. He can go rip a couple Blu-rays, add them to his Plex server. That's the next step. Mm. Um well yeah, it could, you, that's what a lot of people like because streaming services like the bitrate is so much lower than like local copies, so you Rip a local copy, put it on your Plex server, and then you don't have to put a Blu-ray disc in. It's a surprise that 
having a piece of hardware that can well it's like it's like it's why rob said the next step it's what crazy people do once they've uh realized oh, wow. that they love the Plex server. <laughs> oh I, I don't think anybody that runs a plex server wouldn't then identify as like I, i've I, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm a little next level i think I, that's part of it it's, it's a badge of pride i like used to i used to rip shit on like my laptop that had a CD drive, it's just I can't yeah, think of a computer. Yeah, that's when it was a standard. That's had now a CD you have to drive. buy it. You yeah, have to exactly, buy an accessory exactly. now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I always make sure my builds have one. <laughs> ah, okay, always prepared. Yeah, I mean, so the maybe I should get into the Sun Pod. <laughs> what do I even look? Do I look Blu-ray Ripper? Like, what do I? What's even the the term? These it's, it's just what a disk drive. It? The ripping part is all software. Just yep. a Blu-ray disc, like oh, it's only if you're rewriting that you have to have a something dedicated. Yeah, is yeah. That if case? you're like making ah. new discs, you need to have a, a burner, which R-W- is a different piece of hardware. Rewritable. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay, now my '90s um, <laughs> uh, tech lingo is now being unearthed from the back of my lizard brain. What's <laughs> going to be really tricky is ripping the 4Ks. <laughs> yeah, because those have um, that's a lot the, of space, Rob. Oh. Well, yeah, but those also have the HDCP. Uh, copy protection. So, like the copy protection, however it works, on like, the disc. HDCP is worse. It lives in the cable. Like HDCP mm-hmm. compliant mm-hmm. cables, like monitor both ends of what they're connected to, and will prevent things from like tapping into that signal. So, so you, uh, do you use a splitter? Is that that's where? Use? Yeah, a splitter and the capture card are probably where that comes into play. Because that's what I you had to do with a um playstation 3 like before you could like turn it off was like just run it through <laughs> i have a splitter like explicitly for that purpose that i haven't used in years but um was to get around that hundred bucks for a blu-ray drive not bad oh a hundred xl bucks. drive what's a what's an xl what create what is what defines an xl what's is that just it's a big one <laughs> oh burn speeds okay burn speeds this is that uh-huh. makes sense oh only 160 speeds. if you want that if you want that extra if you want the burn you want to feel the burn uh <laughs> just an extra extra 50 come on you're already you're doing a plex server at 150 is dropping the bucket let's go but how much did the server itself cost like what did you drop on like hard drive space me yeah well i, d- I don't have movies on it yet so i haven't really made that investment uh, okay right now like i was just testing this out to see how soon i want to move to a nos uh so i'm just running it off my desktop <laughs> right now Oh, so you're, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a new member of that uh that Discord channel pretty soon, like the one Discord channel that's just Will and. No, Brad Rob's been in there. Has it? Oh yeah. yeah. All right, sure. <laughs> He's been, been not curious. Yeah. That's right. You have been in there. You've Nos. asked questions about this like a year ago. Yep. <laughs> the project is almost complete. Um, <laughs> bring it to what do we? What do we? Neon Genesis Avon Plexium. Well, that's right. Mm. Finally. Finally. <laughs> uh I can go to time.is. Yeah, it's time.is. Time.is. Oh, it's Earth Day. Yeah, I got some. We're going to, uh, Jessica and I are going to plant some, plant some things. Nice. She brought a plant home. Wow. Wait, from where? It's cool. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. <laughs> she just found it. She just found well, it. Well, that She's also like, does happen. My Sometimes she'll now. come home with a flower and I'm like, Jessica, that is, that's a real flower. Like, you can't just take that from like a neighbor's <laughs> garden. It's pretty uh, though. We'll put it somewhere. Can you tell me who you took it from so we can apologize? <laughs> so we can, yeah. <laughs> Those uh, only come once a year, Jessica. I can't just put it back. Yeah. 
39 seconds. All right. 